I don't, what I kind of grouse about is, is, is I don't understand why it took forever for me to learn how to actually talk into a microphone. What do you mean? Because that sounds so much better now than it did before, because I finally learned that the microphone had to be pointed a different direction. <laughs> and by the way, we're recording. How are you? Happy weekend. Happy weekend. What are you up to? It's a wonderful weekend. Or it's um, going to be a wonderful still weekend. Still trying to recover from uh, enrolling the, the man cub in college. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That's exciting. The college had um, some service animals, you said. They did. did there you? are over. I think there are sixty, like um, registered service. What do they call them? Emotional support dogs. There. Okay. And I got to meet two of them. One of them was named Colt, and he had recently hurt his ACL, so he was kind of limping a little bit. Okay. He's getting surgery in July, and the other one is Luke, and he's a Great Pyrenees, and his brother's name is Han. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I also think it's nice that we didn't just take Colt out back and shoot him since we had 59 others to choose from. Oh, right. So well, I, I don't I don't understand that. I mean, I think that's awesome. It's very cool that they, um, that they oh, they have trading cards. They're called, oh, the, my gosh. They're called the Pet Posse. That is awesome. And it's part of the Office of First Year Success. So I got you a oh, trading card. Yay. Yay. That is awesome. And um, he looks kind of like Luke Skywalker in Empire Strikes Back when they're on the ice planet hall. Well, he looks a little bit like Luke Skywalker when he's inside of the Tauntaun. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, I would agree with that. Because yes. he's a big old hairy guy. He, indeed he is. He's very handsome and very nice. And you have to try to lay down and then steal bacon off people's plates. I think that's the best way to try and steal bacon is, is when you're kind of doing it on the down low. <laughs> So he was very cute. Makes it easier to steal that way. So, um, so they have these dogs, yeah. right? And I know we're going to have a guest on soon where we're mm-hmm. going to talk about service dogs. Yes, I'm very excited about that. Um, but these dogs that they they have, tell me, how did you did you learn kind of what prompted this? Have they are they doing any metrics to show improvement in overall mental health of first year students? They didn't get into a lot of that because it was just like, hey, you know. These are our friends. You'll be, they'll be all over campus, and you can see them. I'm sure had I inquired, I could have gotten some data on it. But I... Did have, you honestly just say, had I inquired, instead of if I would have asked? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'm sorry. She also <laughs> operates a motor vehicle, folks. She doesn't know how to drive a car. <laughs> oh, I see. We're already getting tuned this early in the episode. Oh, yeah. We're about three minutes in, so why not? Why not? People no. have come to expect this from us. We're like an old married couple. An old married couple, yes, for sure. Um, no, I just was super excited that they were there, and this particular school seems more committed to the students' well-being and mental health and just sort of feeling accepted and welcome than any other place I've ever seen. You know, it seems to me, and, and there's been obviously some tragedy in the news over and over and over again, not the least of which was just this past week. It seems to me maybe if we started to employ some of that philosophy uh, everywhere, you know, in grade schools, middle schools, high schools, community colleges, at the workplace, yeah. that, you know, we might be more open and accepting of different types of mental health needs and and better identify people who maybe are kind of falling through the cracks. And I, I want to be clear, I'm not excusing violent behavior. I am no. not excusing it no. at all. No. What I am suggesting, though, is is that it has a genesis somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, 
You well, first of all, my Instagram feed is filled with nonsense. It is every dog thing ever. I've got labs, I've got golden right. retrievers, I've got beagles, I've got what are the dogs that the queen likes? Corgis. Um, oh, oh my god, the ridiculous corgis. Mine I, is very pug heavy. I, I would imagine <laughs> I have one. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think of it. A golden named something. No. I have to think of it. But at any rate, it's a golden retriever and it has a sibling that is a corgi and mm-hmm. it is hilarious to watch those two interact. That's very sweet. So um, I found a new dog breed and I don't know that this counts as a dog breed, but it's a Burmese mountain dog, Burmese mountain dog crossed with a poodle. And I want to get one and name it Bernadette because they call them Bernadoodles. <laughs> oh, my God. That is funny. I, I think we need to stop mixing things with poodles. Um, at least we, if we're going to do that, we need to stop acting like they don't shed. Right. I, I just, and they're like $5,000 per dog. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, well, first of all, five, 5000 Ouch. Um, well, okay. They're not AK, They're not an AKC registered breed. And I'm like, so you want me to pay $5,000 for a designer mutt? <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> and look, if that's your thing, great. Do you? I just have too much of my dad in me that uh, we're not spending a hot top dollar on pets. <laughs> so, and, and I, on the other hand, have, okay, I need to trade in one of my children because my dog's sick. So. <laughs> <laughs> I remember before my uh, before I had my boys, um, I had a, a lab retriever mix, and she had burst a couple of discs in her back, and I think that surgery was several thousand dollars. And I remember the boys asking, "Well, what if that would have happened when we were here?" I said, "Well, it would have been bye, Reggie. I'm sorry." And they're like, "Oh my God, no! Couldn't you just get rid of and then insert the other sibling's name sure, because sure. they no, were willing I'm to not trade?" I'm saying that I won't spend money on the pet once the pet is mine. I'm saying I will not spend five thousand dollars. Oh, to acquire to the acquire pet. Oh, pet. okay, okay. So. Yes. Um, I'm sure that if my 20-year-old cat sneezes wrong, I'll be like, take my money. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because, uh, yeah, no, it's not an emotional support cat for most people because it stays hidden in your room. <laughs> right. But I love him more than anything. I'm sure your husband's thrilled to hear that. <laughs> Hopefully he's not listening. More so. than once I've said, good night, handsome. And he's like, are you talking to me or the cat? Oh, <laughs> uh, come on. He's 20 plus years into this. He's got to know the answer to that. It is not you, Brian. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So good. I'm glad you had a good trip. Did your son? Did he connect well with the campus? And he did. And it's so he's a very quiet, kind of introverted. Um, you know, not the kid that gets all the accolades, attention, everything else. By the way, I just have to say he's also one of the sweetest, kindest <laughs> people is. you'll ever have the privilege he's a to meet. Very, very, very kind child. He does not take after me. Um, that's clear, <laughs> but watch out for that second one. Um, he, um, he made two friends immediately, like within five minutes oh, of good. orientation starting. They spent the whole day together on Thursday, the whole day together. On were they, Friday. were they also people who are generally unkempt? <laughs> <laughs> no, the one kid was like super stylish. Oh, thank God. I'm okay. Like, maybe some of that hang will... out with him more yes. frequently. So you stop looking like a homeless child. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. 
So, well, you know, here we are. We are at episode two of season two, so that's kind of exciting. Episode two, Electric Boogaloo. One of the things that I thought was great that we carried over from all of season one is your need to have half to one second pauses in between words. I know. I listened to it this morning, well, this afternoon, and I was just boggled by that it's like do i ever talk like that normally you ought to see the amount of time that i cut out of these in post it's so so funny and so i'm going through and i'm like oh for the love of god spit (laughs) it out good lord i'm just really scared of saying like a a naughty word or something right yes because you've always been worried about swearing my (laughs) eyes i rolled so hard i saw brain He just pulled his brain muscles from rolling his eyes. Right. I just am scared that I'm going to say something that is is taken the wrong way or somebody's going to say that, you know, I'm not being sensitive about something. And so I find myself almost paralyzed. Like, Okay, that's actually not true. So you're usually pretty quick to shoot something. Right? You tried to convince me to leave something in in the last episode that I cut out. Although Chicken. I, although I think the uh, I think I only cut out what it was that I said not yeah. every not all the yeah. laughter afterwards. The too soon <laughs> is still in there. If you want to know what he actually says, email me at stephanie at weekendmediagroup.com and we'll have a whole discussion. It was funny, but it was wildly inappropriate and it was incredibly insensitive. So that's why it got cut out. It was incredibly insensitive 29 years ago. It's still pretty <laughs> insensitive today. I don't know. Uh, I know, called the time I, of death on that. Oh! I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not comfortable joking about John Wilkes Booth and Lincoln. I was the play, Mrs. Lincoln. So, all right. So, we have What are you doing it. this weekend? What are your big plans? Oh, I don't know. I did a little bar. I'm going to do a little barbecuing. I did some last night. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My, uh, my youngest son now has some people coming over last night. That was kind of fun to meet some new friends of his. Nice, nice. And um, other than that, I, I don't know. What about you? Um, well, nothing. Oh, great. I like, I enjoy living vicariously through you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a giggle a minute. It is. I have found some old TV show on, uh, what do you call it? Amazon Prime that I've been watching. Uh, what are you watching? Banachek. I don't even know what that is. It's got, um, the George Papard from the A-Team. Love it when a plane comes together. Oh, God. I had such a mad crush on him. Oh, for heaven's sakes. But... The mystery as to why he died from lung cancer should not be a mystery. Every time I've seen him, he has a cigar. Every time on screen in Breakfast at Tiffany's, in this TV show, The A-Team, he's got some sort of tobacco-related device sticking out of his face. George Poupard, tobacconist to the world. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're so good, though, because it's like Marco Kidder was the special guest star the other day, and I was looking at her. I was looking at her, and my mom said, is that Karen Allen? And I was like, no. It's Marco Kidder. Oh, and so, my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. They're fun shows. It was all part of that, like, McLeod, Macmillan and Wife. Oh, Columbo I love Macmillan and Wife. Jill St. Love... John, is that who? No. Who? who Hold is on, it? and I'll think of her name. Susan St. James. Susan St. James, yes. Oh, my gosh. So those of you who are regular <laughs> listeners know that I frequently mix my ponderables. <laughs> so I'm, I'm usually going to give the wrong name first, but I'm well-intentioned no matter what. Right, but you had the three names. I did. <laughs> Exactly. And there was a saint involved, so it was so close. 
was so close. Uh, if we were playing hand grenades, that'd have been a big winner. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, uh, I, I of course will go on to Amazon Prime and watch Match Game reruns. I love Match Game and so much. You gotta love the the Gene Rayburn suits for one, which I would say should all be burned, but I think they're wildly flame retardant. <laughs> and as we learned last week. It's really bad for the environment. <laughs> oh, yes, that is true. Yes, that is true. Don't burn your clothes. That's bad. Um, and the shag carpet and the bad hairdos and the double entendres just flowed I in know. that show. I had and that was no a, idea how dirty it was until I was an adult. Pre prime There was an evening version of it, but I think, I think so. it was like at six o'clock. That wasn't quite so. prime time. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, I was. So I kind of watched that. That's kind of a comfort thing for me. Um, there are some other older shows on there, though, that I've watched, and I don't remember what they are. And somebody uploaded all of the episodes of The Law and Harry McGraw on YouTube. Oh, okay. That a, sounds illegal, but... Well, I don't know. I'm not uh, I'm not the police. I'm not the FBI warning people. <laughs> but that's, that's a just, spinoff. I think that's just the FBI. <laughs> that's a spinoff from Murder, She Wrote, and I have been watching them and loving uh, them. Okay, so I did start watching some Heart to Heart. <gasps> I can't Another remember where. One. I know. We're going to have to do a whole episode dedicated mm. to Heart to Heart because I absolutely love that. But, of course, we're products heavily influenced by the 80s. Totally. Heavily influenced by the 80s. Very, very much so. so. Today, though, and we talked about last week, we were kind of struggling to come up with a topic, so we decided to do a little potpourri this week. It's potpourri. It is potpourri day. So um, I wanted to jump in uh, giving a nod to the West Wing. At, Which I think is a fantastic thing to talk about. And uh, again, for all of our longtime listener, they Mom. she knows that uh, <laughs> we're huge fans of Aaron Sorkin, um, also huge fans of The West Wing. I just kind of wanted to. I was doing a little doing a little research. You know, obviously, I've watched every episode about forty three times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was doing a little bit of research, and one of the things that I found, I stumbled across an article in the Atlantic, and, and they were a little heady about it. Talking about how it's a terrible lesson in democracy. You can't oh, be yeah. a good person. And it was. I'm. I'm being cheeky about it. But I thought. Um, okay. I, I, I appreciate your point of view, The Atlantic. But I don't think that any of us thought it was anything other than maybe just good television. Right. I mean, I think that it's sort of that Mr. Smith goes to Washington right. kind of aspirational. Right. Like, here's here's how we wish some right. things could be, but right. there's also the reality that there are partisan politics. You know, I would love it if the president of the United States could could dress down a, a hateful talk show host like in the midterms uh, midterms episode. Right. Um, it's a thinly veiled version of some other uh, without, talk oh, show no, with, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, but one of the things that, that I liked about some of that is, is that you're like, gosh, you know, I wish it could be this way. I understand why it can't be. Um, but I, I also want to point out that it was on NBC. It was a weekly drama, an mm-hmm. hour-long drama, and at no point in there was it labeled a documentary. So right. I, I didn't go to it for a history lesson, um, although right. a lot of the factual statements made there were, were grounded, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, historical statements grounded in that fact. Wasn't, they were sort of like interesting civics lessons. Right, right. But nothing that was going on in the day-to-day of the program itself 
really had a basis in this is how government works. It certainly, I think, had a basis in how we all wished government might work from time to time. And it's funny that we're talking about Aaron Sorkin this week because after listening, I was like, oh, you know, it's Aaron Sorkin dialogue. It's like rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat. I was like, oh, I could do that. Now, after listening to myself talk in the podcast, no, you can't. I can't. No, no. He's notorious for what they call the walk and talk, and and Stephanie is notorious for the sit and stew. For the walk and snooze. Uh, is she ever going to finish? Uh. And I think it's funny that you caught yourself doing that, listening to it because of the amount of dead air I cut out of each episode. I'm so embarrassed. Now I'm like super self-conscious about how I talk. Well, the fun part though for me is, is is that you'll never know if I do it because I'm the one that produces all of the episodes. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm 100% sure you're, you don't do it. My super annoying ticks all get edited out <laughs> and no one else knows what they are except there are people like Stephanie who maintain a list of annoying things I do. <laughs> Alphabetical and in order in which they annoy me. Yes. Um, also, hey, did everybody notice that we have music back at the beginning and end of the episodes? Music is fantastic. So we actually have somebody who volunteered to do some uh, uh, some music for us, and we need to get him in the studio here because he's a really talented musician. He's written some some stuff that I think everyone might enjoy. So maybe we'll have a special like Patreon episode for uh, music listening. That would be very cool. Mm-hmm. That would be very cool. Um, you know, and given that we've done some upgrades here in the studio, and I'm also happy to report that. The majority of the cardboard is gone. My skin can breathe in this room now. It's still a little crowded in here. I see promotional items have taken over a large portion of the studio right. now. Promote away. But on the other hand, it is offering some new sound dampening, considering our current has a nice patina building on it. If anyone has any experience with sound dampening um, tiles in their... Uh, studio workspace please reach out to us and let us know why ours are yellowing as <laughs> if we are smoking multiple packs of cigarettes in a day <laughs> <laughs> right uh, be a good girl go fetch me my pell-mells right like this is oxidizing at a rate that is quite disquieting it, it really is and again i know i don't mean to hammer on it because we talked about it last week but it looks even worse today than it, it does. did before <laughs> i'm wondering if it's leaching some sort of weird uh, poison <laughs> that Maybe, uh, maybe that's ex- on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> maybe that explains my hair loss <laughs> and my increase in weight. That too. That too. It's why I'm getting fatter. That's it. I'm blaming it. I'm it, blaming it that on me being fat. Exactly. Exactly. So, but no, at, at any rate, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I thought it was unnecessary, the, the kind of the harsh criticism of the West Wing. And, and maybe I suppose it could be more of a criticism of people who thought that that might be a way to learn about U.S. politics and how Washington works, because it did talk about um, some foreign leaders and, and, and their focus on the West Wing to try and learn a little bit about American politics. Um, I, I think really if you want to learn about American politics, all you have to do is, is watch each watch of, uh, each watch rather, uh, a particular news station uh, mm-hmm. on one side and a particular news station on the other and, and see kind of how things are working because they're really not. Right. We, we send help. Yes. <laughs> America is blinking twice <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, but to, now back to the West Wing. I mean, you know, it was neat to see it. It would, it would over time, it would touch on some important cultural issues, um, right to privacy. There was a, an episode, a story arc about a Supreme Court justice and, 
and, and a focus on the right to privacy and whether or not that's actually within the Constitution and the construct of the, the Constitution. And what was most so fascinating about that was is that that episode was in 2000. And okay. the Internet, for most of us, the Internet was really still kind of in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, my experience with the Internet really was largely porn. Okay. So, no. <laughs> so, it was... I don't think we were doing a lot of shopping on the internet. I think there was some news on there. Um, I think it, we were bootlegging music on there. Right. <laughs> I'm going through what? what? It, I remember a lot of map questing. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I didn't know where I was going. Exactly. A lot. <laughs> and then I wondered ever since then, I have wondered how in the hell did I get anywhere? I know. I, I don't. Did I actually have a map? I don't remember traveling with an atlas. Did I know things then? Did I know north and south? <laughs> I mean, I knew my directions, but I, I, I honestly, I don't. I had to have. I guess I had to have had a map. Or I, I was thinking about that just the other day because I was like, if we didn't have MapQuest, how would I tell somebody to get to my house? Or GPS, how would I tell somebody to get to my house? And I was like, I guess I'd have to go outside and count how many houses there are from one end of the street to the other. And I have no idea. <laughs> well, okay. So there are some basic things that really we just, if they were taught in driver's ed, I have no idea. Like numbers are larger the further west that you go, mm-hmm. and they're smaller the further east that you go, and the numbered streets are east and west, and name streets are north and south, except for when they rename a numbered street to a name instead of a number. Right. And then it gets really confusing. That's why I could never live in New York City, because there's a whole section of it that's like, 317 North 5th Street. And I'd be like, fuck it, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. yeah I I'm got done. nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm done. Or, or there's a city here where it's like 315 East Street West. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, that uh, was uh, a lot of that in no, Tennessee. No, 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 no. Yeah. Or you have uh, Atlanta, one of the oh, first God. places that I went to uh, when I was a when I was an adult professional on a business trip, made the mistake of renting a car. Oh, and then you got to see every Peachtree Avenue. <laughs> yes, and I also enjoyed that they changed directions at a certain time of day, and, and perhaps somebody cluing me in on that would have been nice. Yeah, we had to drive to Atlanta fairly frequently when we were living in Tennessee because of obligations down there, and I was like, I would rather drive in L.A., Every day, then spend one day in Atlanta because it <laughs> terrifies me. But I will say the people of Atlanta were some of the nicest people ever of oh, all I of the places Atlanta. that I've traveled to. Some of the nicest people ever. And, and not once did I get flipped off for not knowing what Peach Street I was supposed to be on. It, so Atlanta, I can't get out of my neighborhood without getting flipped off. <laughs> Atlanta is a vibrant <laughs> and exciting city full of all kinds of really cool things. Just don't make me drive No, there. <laughs> exactly. There are places I should not be. New York City would be another place yeah. I should not be made to drive. So at any rate, back to back to the West Wing. It's funny that you talked about that article because I found another article from like 2000, September of 2000 talking about how the West Wing was kind of the optimism we needed to look at at that moment in time. I think that's great. Yeah, I think that's really a, a good way of looking at it. You know, particularly... Um, so you had the you had the dot com bubble bursting in the early two thousands. Of course, you had nine eleven in there. Um, the program actually started in uh, the fall of ninety nine, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there was a lot of anxiety about year two thousand and what that might bring. So right. I forgot all about that. Yeah, it's well because it ended up being a much ado about nothing, and that's because of all of the work and energy that people put into making it just that. So. Right. I remember people thought that airplanes were going to fall out of the sky as soon as it hit midnight in 2000. Well, I'll tell you, but for all of the efforts, we don't know what might have happened. Yeah, it 
was just. I mean, very... we know that there was some that there were some programming challenges that, sure. that had to be addressed. So. Sure, but there were still pilots in there. I'm pretty sure the pilots could have flown the plane. I'm not absolutely <laughs> sure that the systems that keep the pilots from running into each other were going to work all that well That's a either, though. Issue. So. <laughs> is a separate but equally as important right. one. Separate but somehow very concerning <laughs> issue. But the other thing about the West Wing is that uh, you and I both enjoyed listening to one of the greatest podcasts ever, which is the West Wing Weekly. And as they were going through the show chronologically, it seemed like the issues were always evergreen. There was always something oh, right. that would come through, and it's right. like, okay, so basically there's about five things in America that just keep popping up the right. same all right. over and over again. Well, and it was also neat because you could see how certain storylines were pulled from past administrations, whether sure. it was the Clinton administration or the Kennedy administration or the Johnson administration or Nixon mm-hmm. or Reagan, and, and it was always kind of interesting to see that more current take on on issues but mm-hmm. you're right i mean these are issues that recur politically globally um over and over and, and, and you think eventually we think we would get that right right i mean we've had several sort of passes at it. <laughs> i was watching ken burns no i was listening to him on smartless which is another really good podcast and he said that history doesn't repeat itself but it often rhymes oh that's i like that and i was like that is fantastic. Yes, I would like um, I would like to stop repeating some of my own history and maybe enjoying a rhyme or two. So if Same. I could move on to that, you know, last week we both thought you'd made a, a comment about you'd like to get out of beta testing. Yeah, and and I agreed with that. I I, I would also like to stop repeating my own history. Right. <laughs> maybe I should write a few things down. Maybe commit a few things to memory. Right. I think it's the committing to memory thing that seems to screw me up. Well, oh yeah, this yeah, did happen last. That time. did in poorly before. But I'm, I'm also, you know, it kind of cuts into my watching the West Wing for the fifth or sixth or seventh time. Right. So, um, but yeah, there were, I, what were some, what were some of your favorite storylines? It's funny that the one of them that has, is one of my favorites is evidence of things not seen, which has nothing to do with policy. It has nothing to do with government in as much as it just happens that they all work at the White House. Right. When there's a shooter outside and... They all take cover. <laughs> Alice and Janie talks about her cat-like reflexes as she's like sitting there looking out the window like, oh, someone's shooting. <laughs> Basically, they're playing poker and she's read on the internet or heard on the internet that you can balance an egg on its end during the vernal equinox. And there's much discussion about why is it just that day and when is it? And it's just, it talks about how they need to believe and how she believes in them and how you know, she has faith in what they can do. And it's just a very, it's a, it's a lovely episode. Well, and, but the underlying tone of that still dealt with mental health, if I remember correctly, that the, the person shooting was somebody who was emotionally disturbed. Yes. And I, I can't remember, did they end up having to kill that person or did they? No, but Josh. It was an attempt at, at death by cop. Yes. Suicide by and cop. And Josh is in the interview with Chandler. I'm really mixing all my Joe was his his name on the show or you know Matthew Perry in real life I say that with a little bit of indignation when I am notorious for remembering (laughs) half of their show names and half of their real names right but he says in that he he asked Donna comes in and asks if he heard the shots and he's like 
no, but I heard like music, so I figured somebody was shooting someplace. Right. Which goes back to his PTSD from being shot at Roslyn. So right. There is there are heavier issues to it, but I'm talking about just from a policy standpoint. Right. It has, they're arguing with the Russians, but it has really nothing to do with right policy. Right. Um, but yeah, it's there were just so many different, uh, you know, so many different policy issues, so many different personalities, so many different ways of dealing with issues. Um, the obviously, I think you'll agree with me. The best episodes of The West Wing are the ones that that um, Thomas Shalami was involved oh, in, that Aaron sure. Sorkin was involved in, and that's not to take away from the rest of the show. Um, but I really felt like those meteor policy issues really came up during the Sorkin years, mm-hmm. um, which not, is seasons one through four, right? And 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 you know, while the taking of the president's youngest daughter was was dramatic, it really had more of a dynasty Dallas feel to it than yeah. it really did the show that I that I'd come to really enjoy. Um, I still watched it. It was still good. It just kind of went in a little direction that was almost uh, shark jumpy. Yeah, the it, it created an interesting plot point in terms of being dealing with the Twenty Fifth Amendment, which right for those of you who haven't seen it, the president steps away. Martin Sheen steps away from being the president by invoking the Twenty Fifth Amendment, and then Glenn Allen Walken, played by John Goodman, who is fantastic in everything he does and could sit down and read the newspaper and I'd be like, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that was the news. I just love him so much. <laughs> but he comes in as Speaker of the House and he's actually, Martin Sheen's character, Jed Bartlett, is a Democrat and Glenn Allen Walken, who's Speaker of the House, is a Republican. And so there's this tension about would this, what does this mean? You know, it, how, how, how does this affect American democracy when the democratic leader cedes power to the Republican leader. And I mean, so there's, there's interesting things about it. Unfortunately, there was a lot of, it was just a lot of drama associated with them taking her and, you know, and then it kind of sucked the wind out of the sails of the show. At least it felt to me like it did until they kind of got their feet back underneath them. Because as soon as that storyline ended, Aaron Sorkin had left the program. And so, There was a definite tonal switch, and it might have been different had he stayed, but, you know, I'll defend the show in as much as, if in fact we were to consider this as part of this real world that they've created, after an event like that, it would take the wind out of everyone's sails. Right. So, uh, an interesting byproduct of that is maybe the tonal shift did it, but in real life, that's exactly what would happen. It would take you a long time to kind of recover from that. Right, right. And that that episode came um, not terribly long after the the arc of Allison Janney's character being stalked mm-hmm. and her Secret Service agent, who was played by uh, Mark Harmon, uh, had died and where they had, uh, had agreed to murder Sharif, who mm-hmm. was a member of a royal family in... What was the fictional kind of 
All I can think about is equatorial country. I know, that's, that's I know exactly what came to mind, too. Um, I'm trying to think of what it was some some fictional Middle Eastern country. Right. And he was a part of the royal family, and he was actually sponsoring terrorism, and a decision was made to kill him. Now, what was historically accurate was all of the rules that went into place. They, they talked about the revocation of two different executive orders that prohibited the government assassinating world leaders. Um, those were both legitimate executive orders. Um, they talked about the Gang of Eight, is that right? Yeah, the Gang of Eight has to be called together to talk about what's going to happen. It can't be a military operation, right. et cetera. And, and, and that the Army can't act on U.S. soil. Right, That's right. That's the posse comitatus. Right. And so, you know, all of that was accurate. That was a, was that a couple of different episode arc? Yeah, Several yeah, where that, Sharif came up. He was supposed up. to be the part of the royal family in Kumar. Thank you. Yes, yes. And there's another episode, and I don't know, maybe I'm going to get assassinated for this, but Kumar is a stand-in for Saudi Arabia, and um, there's an episode where the, well, I shouldn't say it's a stand-in. It's a proxy-ish. I think there's a couple of different, I think there's a couple of different places. I think it's a combination of issues in various states in in the Middle East in regard to how women are treated. Right, and there's an episode called The Women of Kamar that's definitely worth watching. It's one of the better episodes of the ser- series in the first four years. It's, and there's a lot of criticism about Aaron Sorkin that he doesn't know how to write for women. Um, I've kind of dug into this in other capacities. Aaron Sorkin seems to be very polarizing <laughs> about either you love him or you hate him. Um, uh, I'm on the love side. I think he's an incredibly talented writer. But I do think that there are some struggles he has with writing for women, which is not uncommon for people. I don't know that I could write for men, so I'm you know just putting it out there. But well, the other thing is this is that while there might have been a staff of writers, I'm not sure any of them got to write much because right. Aaron Sorkin is just he's so gifted, he's so engaged, he's so and so knowledgeable about so many different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you watch an episode, you see what his involvement is, and you're like, God, why am I so dumb? Exactly. I'm, I'm going to go have some cereal and go to bed now. <laughs> right. I'm going to go play with these rocks over here in the corner because I thought I was bright, but uh, no, not so much. No, I can get myself dressed into work most days of the week. Yay right. me. Um, I don't swallow my tongue at night. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm unwilling to set the bar any higher than that because I, I just I just can't. Um, so I, I guess I, I struggle because obviously not... Being a woman, right. not writing for women, I don't quite understand what you mean. What is it that you're that you've observed when you say that that you may have some, you may agree with some of the critics that he, he can't write for women? Well, like oftentimes the Donna character on the West Wing is um, only there for exposition, more swoony about her relationship with Josh, less, yeah. and she's always like, "Well, what does that mean?" So then the, Josh so can, can explain it to it. her, so that we as an audience can understand it. And, I mean, I don't, some people really have a problem with that. I don't necessarily have a problem with that because Donna's character was not a political, you know. She was someone who believed in the Bartlett campaign and went and found a job with them and then educated herself and moved up the ladder. But I I, I don't know. I just, The Women of Kumar is a really good episode. And sometimes there's some misogyny that goes on, but... You know, it's always good to look back through hindsight and see. 
Did I, I think, cherry pick all that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think of Allison Janney's character or Nancy McNally's character, and you want to talk about two incredibly strong, intelligent women who can mm-hmm. hold their own. Um, I thought that there was some interesting dichotomy between men and women in a few episodes where the men were all gathered in the Oval Office and oh, well, we're going to intentionally leave CJ out of this information and, and understand that she may look foolish, but gosh, we can't trust her because she's made googly eyes at a, at a reporter. Right. So the, if that's kind of what you're referring yeah. to, um, I, you know, that's understandable. I, 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 can see I don't that. necessarily have a huge problem with how Aaron Sorkin wrote women characters and how everyone interacted on the show because I don't know how to break it to everybody, but in our real lives... We don't always have perfect interactions with one another. <laughs> right, right. Stephanie and I can't spend five minutes together without <laughs> bitching at the other one about something that they're doing that's annoying. Right. Um, and the other thing that I, I want to be clear about, you know, we're not trying to act like we've got 100,000 listeners and that we're oh, somehow God, no. expert screenwriters and great critics. No, 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 we're no. just two people who are, who are big fans of, of Aaron Sorkin, big fans of his work regardless the newsroom was another phenomenal Aaron Sorkin show, so and Jeff, Jeff Daniels did an amazing job in his role as I Will like McAvoy. I like Studio Sixty. I was sad to see that go. I was sad. I'm sad still that the newsroom is not still on. Yeah. Um, wonderful woman characters there too. Yes. Um, also strong female characters. Mm-hmm. But in any case, we're just two people who are who enjoy good writing, who enjoy good acting, who are just sharing some opinions. So, so obviously, oh, yeah. we're we're not trained critics. We're no. not trying to be critical. And I just love making, Aaron Sorkin. I think he's uh, absolutely, remarkable. Absolutely, absolutely. If is, I could write something half as good as he did, just once, I would be thrilled. Right. No, I, I agree. No, I absolutely agree. Um, what uh, What about what are some other favorite episodes? I don't know. What about you? Uh, well, War of the Roses was one of them. Oh, yeah. um, and And that was the episode where the Secret Service agent, his name, character name escapes me, but it was Simon Mark, Donovan. Simon Donovan, Mark Harmon's character, uh, was killed. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, spoiler alert's supposed to come first, isn't right, it? Right. Sorry. So, <laughs> for a 20-year-old show. By the way, the kid in The Sixth Sense, okay. he sees Bruce Willis because he's dead. So... Um, damn it, I was going to go watch that. <laughs> That's getting cut out. <laughs> that is getting cut out. You have gone too far. Too far. You have gone too far this time. <laughs> um, so, uh, but that episode was just so incredibly moving. And, and, and it's one of those things that, that you can see happen and that we know has played out where law enforcement officers come into the middle of something and thought they had it under control and, and unfortunately yeah. didn't. And I, I recall, I think you represented a death row inmate under a similar set of circumstances where an FBI agent had engaged in a in an armed robbery of a bank and yeah. had made a mistake that unfortunately ended up being fatal. Yeah. Um, not excusing anybody's behavior, nothing, not trying to make this a political no. discussion. No, it no, just, no, no, no. It, it's just one of those things that when you see art imitating life, I think sometimes it's easy to forget that these are things that happen mm-hmm. and that there are people that are left behind and there are traumas that, that they have to deal with. And um, I, it was that was just one of my favorite episodes. I also really like the interaction between Richie and Bartlett uh, during the intermission 
may not even been an intermission. I think he may have just walked out. And right. Richie came in. Because it's like an eight-hour play. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Um, but I really like that that uh, line. Crime you, boy. I don't know. That's when I decided to kick your ass. Yeah. I like the debate episode between the two of them, too. Yeah. Um, as far as the later episodes, you know, it. I have to say there was a period before they decided to kind of wrap things up that I felt like we were kind of getting lost in the brambles a little mm-hmm. bit. And, and when um, when you, you had Gary Cole's character who thought that the presidency was owed to him, right. and you had Will who was uh, running his campaign, and then Josh following Leo's advice and going out there and finding his guy mm-hmm. and, and finding... Um, Santos, I can't think of his first name, but Matt, Matt Santos, and and seeing that struggle, it's it's really interesting too because you have Josh going to the house of a former U.S. congressman trying to talk him into running for, uh, running for the the presidency. He'd been the mayor of Houston. Mm-hmm. He was in the Air National Guard or the Air Force Reserve. I don't remember yeah, which. Yeah, he was a pilot of some capacity. Um, and then um, I, I don't know what he was planning on doing. He didn't run for Congress again. And you see this, you see this struggle between he and his wife, and what a monumental undertaking this is, and that he's, you know, he's really not interested. And I think it takes Josh a couple of trips. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I wonder how many people sit back. I was one of them. My God, somebody wants to come out and wants me to be president. Shit, I'm all in. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. But that's how I, I really feel like that's how true leaders do respond to a call. Is I'm not your guy. Right. And and they do need to be convinced and they do need to be coaxed because being in those roles and leaving them, there's so much energy that gets expended. You're anxious to go do other things. Yes. Right? You're anxious to put that energy somewhere else. Right. Like President Obama never looked happier than when he was in the- on the island <laughs> with Larry Ellison. Absolutely. I still remember the parasailing picture, and I'm like, why is the Secret Service letting him do that? And I'm like, oh, I know why, because he said, fuck you, I'm doing this. So I'm not president anymore. You can't stop me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I felt that same way. I've never seen somebody so happy like to be done with the job. In his eyes, like the relief was palpable yes, in his face. Yes. But you know, I think that's also interesting, and, and, and you know, and I don't. I, it's no secret that I'm a I'm a Republican. I'm a Reagan Republican. I I'm a pragmatist at heart, um, and this, so this is not a hypercriticism of Bill Clinton. But for the longest time, Bill Clinton seemed to really pine for the days when he was president, mm-hmm. and and I think it took him a little while to find his feet and find where his place is. And then I think he and George H. W. Bush coming together mm-hmm. really helped him to to find where that place was. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you know other presidents have just kind of moved on gracefully, and and again. Um, Barack Obama being a perfect example. Ronald Reagan retiring out to California and the ranch. George W. Bush heading down to Texas. Um, I think that uh, I think other other people. I don't know that Lyndon Johnson reacted so well to not being the president anymore. I think a lot of that has to do with it. Just Johnson and Johnson in particular. Unbelievable ego. You think? You think? I mean, when a man is in a in a mixed company room talking about the size of his Johnson, mm-hmm. that's that's saying a lot about yeah. who you are as a person. And that's funny because President Carter, although 
I don't, I mean, because we were really young when all that happened, but he was gone for a while, but then he went about what he'd always done, which was try to make the world a better place. Well, and, and you know, the same with Richard Nixon. And, you know, Nixon left in disgrace. And, and you know, I remember reading a, a biography. I, I can't remember if it was a biography of Nixon or of another president where there was some interaction with Nixon. But the statement was made that Nixon went out into the forest mm -hmm. and that he spent time in the forest and then came back. Right. And that's what helped to kind of dissipate that taint from the from the scandal and maybe also helped to give him perspective. And he ended up becoming a very fine statesman. He did. Which yes. is what we want and what we need of mm -hmm. our of our former presidents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, again, um, you know, I, I, I was a Reagan guy. Um, I was a Bush guy. I, I, I had absolutely no problem with Barack Obama's policies. Um, with I, When I say that, what I mean is I wasn't mad that Barack Obama won. I would have liked my candidate to have won. Um I wasn't mad when Bill Clinton won. I would have liked my candidate to win. Um, sure. I have been mad recently in in a cycle somewhere along the way. I'm over it now. <laughs> so, I, I, <laughs> but I don't know that "mad's" the right word for what horrified. I horrified. <laughs> Overcome with existential dread, maybe. <laughs> Crushed by the weight of what could be. <laughs> but, you know, you you are a part of this unique club. And they touched on that in the West Wing, too, mm -hmm. in a look-ahead episode. Right. Uh, where where uh, the Bartlett Library was being opened and Jed Bartlett came in for it. And somebody had made a comment about his work in China. I think it was China. And I don't remember for sure. Probably screwing that up. But at any rate, he was called in to do some diplomacy and... Um, and that's that's what we rely on our ex-presidents for. Right. And President Carter, I mean, the, so while Steve's a Reagan guy, Jimmy Carter's my heart and right. soul. Right. No, absolutely. No, <laughs> Always I mean. has been. Um, he has in like been an intermediary in many times right. in the Middle East. And then he tried to do things in North Korea. So he he has absolutely filled that role right. as a statesman and an advisor for a former president. And I think that, you know, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, I think you want to talk about three people who I think are well-equipped to do that. Sure. And people can say whatever they want to about George W. Bush, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's no slouch. At the end of the day, he was the leader of the free world for eight years, and um I was sorry to see him go. I mm -hmm. was glad to see some new blood come in. Again, would have liked it to have been my guy. The downside of it to having been my guy at that time would have been if anything happened to my guy, right. what would have happened? Again, existential dread. <laughs> so. Heartbeat away from, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, and again, though, you know, these are all things that these themes are, are kind of running through this six-year run of, of the West, six, six seasons, right? Seven. Seven seasons, that's what I said, um, of the West Wing. I, kind of getting back to what I was saying earlier, I did really enjoy the election arc. Mm, I did um, too. Because I, what I really liked about it is, is that I feel like it gave a probably about as realistic view of what it's like starting in January of an election year in Iowa mm -hmm. um, with the Iowa caucuses. I think it could have, it would have been nice if maybe they could have taken a little more time to talk about 
why there are caucuses versus primaries and what that really means. But, you know, you want to talk about retail politics. You want to talk about you're going to people's homes where there's groups of 10 or 15 or 20 people mm-hmm. and you have these captains and you're, you're there trying to win votes literally one person at a time. Mm-hmm. When we first moved to Nevada, I don't know if they do it differently now, it was a caucus thing. Okay. And so we went to the library at the school across the street from where we were living and we literally stood in like little groups. Like, are you for, at the time it was 2008, so it was, are you caucusing for Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, um, Barack Obama? I can't remember everybody that ran in 2008. Right. But then we were like, in these groups, in these little clumps of people. And so they're like, okay, this clump is bigger than that clump. This clump doesn't have anybody in it. So they're out. (laughs) And then, like, eventually it got down to the... um, like the people for Biden were either going to go for Hillary or for um, Barack Obama. And if people were yelling, like, come over to our side. You know you want him to be president. <laughs> and the, the Hillary people were like, you want Hillary to be president? And I was like, this is some wild shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I didn't realize this is how things were done. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Oh, and gosh. so then they, like, it ended up being that our particular polling place caucus for a pres- pres- future President Obama at the time. But it was crazy. I'd never seen anything like that before because it's a primary. state in which we're in, it is um, a primary state, and, and there are times where we just, we don't even have a presidential primary. Right. Um, it's it's one of those one of those things that how we're going to vote is a not a surprise and right. b doesn't come with a lot of jewelry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know there just aren't a lot of aren't a lot of coins at the end of that. No, um, we're what's frequently referred to as a flyover state. Yes, so uh, it just is what it is. Wave um, on your way over. Right, but um, yeah. So that whole arc, and then when we got to the. Um, when we got to the inauguration in that two episodes, those, those last two episodes, and where, well, one thing I have to say that just absolutely infuriated me, and I know I'm not alone in this room about this, and I don't think I'm alone in general, is what they did to the Richard Schiff character. Uh, to me, that that really soiled the whole, the whole show to have made him a criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first of all, to suggest that that character, that that um, Toby uh, Ziegler, thank you, Toby Ziegler character would not have been smart enough to find a way to solve the problem without disclosing national secrets, or they could have made it more clear that it was his brother that did that and then died, right? And or it, his sister-in-law, or his sister-in-law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, it, it just. To me, that was unnecessary, and it took this fantastic character and it tainted everything that he had done in that entire administration. One of the best written characters, complex, you know, broody, smart, lovely, kind, just a really complex character and just kind of shit all over him. Right. Because Toby is one of the best, up until that point, is one of the best written characters ever on television. He would disagree with the president. He would fight with the president. He'd be on the outs. Mm -hmm. Um, He'd be excluded from things because he made the president mad. That's just human nature. Right. And most of the times it was because he was very principled in his approach. But not very diplomatic sometimes. not very diplomatic. (laughs) But 
and then to have him not be principled at the end like that is just right. it, infuriating. That's a, well, it's not only infuriating. It I I don't believe it's realistic. I don't, I don't believe that I, I don't believe that those two things can can coexist. It just makes no sense. It mm-hmm. was a convenient story arc. It was it was bad television. That's that's just what it was. And it was because the people who were writing it at the time or the showrunner at that particular time wasn't getting along with Richard Schiff and that's basically why that happened to Toby. Oh, I had no idea. Oh yeah, they talk about that on the West Wing. Oh, I had no uh, well, idea. the West Wing Weekly. I haven't finished the West Wing Weekly yeah. because we had a pandemic so I right. stopped spending time in the car. <laughs> so I stopped having to drive anywhere. <laughs> so yeah, no, and I And the did... commute from my couch to the bathroom isn't that no, long. No, it isn't. And again, you know, things like that kind of get in my way of sitting on my ass watching TV shows I've already <laughs> seen five times. Um, but yeah, it, it, that part was extremely discouraging. Um, I really liked how the how they treated that end of an era where you know people are kind of scrambling for new jobs. Mm-hmm. Some people don't have to scramble because they'll have their pick of jobs. Right. Um, I, I have to tell you when they originally uh, when when. Uh, uh, Leo McGarry had a heart attack. He wasn't mm-hmm. going to be the chief of staff anymore. And he and Jed Bartlett, he had told Jed Bartlett from the hospital, you know who it is. And it ended up being CJ. I felt like that seemed like an incongruent storyline. Until knowing that, you go back and you watch it and you start to see, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I, can, I can see that. Yeah. Um, and how good she ended up being in that role and, you know, from an office politics per- perspective, how difficult that had to have been for Josh and for Toby to take. Exactly. Somebody who was under you is now over you. Right. And now they're deciding whether or not you get to see the president, whether or not you get all of the information. Right. If you're so, the guy in the room. Right. When it happens. I would have to say, though, I think my absolute favorite, at least from a multi-part episode, it's hard to say because In the Shadow of Two Gunmen was phenomenal there's no doubt about that you got a lot of great history Mm -hmm. uh, right out of the shoot but it was 24 hours in america Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh my gosh yeah that's a really good one it really was um my guys are gonna need a minute (laughs) (laughs) and where they're gonna have to walk this off (laughs) where uh You've got Rob Lowe's character, who is uh, Sam Shepard, who is staffing the Sam president that Seymour. day. Sam Shepard. Sam you just made him a murderer from the fugitive. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to cut that out somehow. <laughs> I can't let everybody know how stupid I really am. His character, Sam Seaborn, is staffing the president that day. And then that's when they get back from wherever. Indiana. Indiana, okay. And didn't realize that they'd left uh, that they'd left Josh and Toby behind, and they were struggling to get back. And Bartlett says something along the lines of "Hand to God, if Donna <laughs> weren't with him, they'd have to move there." <laughs> yeah, there, the things that they say, the way Aaron Sorkin can write dialogue that seems really organic and like something yes. that you would say or that you've heard people say. It's just, it never feels forced. It never feels stilted. Right. And it's just so funny when he does it. Right. Um, also, there was the, in that I think it was in that episode where uh, the president was going to have his picture taken with this guy who'd had his picture taken <laughs> with every president <laughs> since, since 
Andrew Johnson, I think. Right. And uh, but it, it, the last time he did, or when he did, the stock market crashed. Right. There were some other parameters there, but, <laughs> but it was so funny because his body man, Charlie Young, he's telling the president's telling Charlie, you know, why he doesn't want to, and and then. Um, Charlie makes some comment, and the president's like, oh, you think I'm being silly? He's like, no, I don't know why you'd want to have your picture taken with the mayor of Shantytown. <laughs> and then he tells the guy, Charlie tells the guy, we're not going to have a picture taken. You're freaking the hell out of the president. Right. But the president intervenes, schedule, schedule. So, yeah. again, I'm, I'm not doing justice to the episode. No, it's, it's I mean, yes, you are. It's very, very <laughs> Very funny. But there are, there, you know, it really almost every episode has some comic relief in it because there's, a, there's really a lot of, of heavy material, a lot of dialogue. And, um, you know, I, I, have, I have a great appreciation for great acting. There's no oh, doubt yeah. about that. But there can't be great acting if there isn't great writing behind oh, it. Yeah. And I yeah. frequently think that we don't give enough credit to the writing Mm -hmm. you know you look at friends and and i would agree doesn't matter how great the writing is if it's shitty acting but you can have some of the finest actors in the world and if the writing's bad they're just in a whole lot they can do about right you can only polish a turd so much (laughs) right and then it's really just all over your hands at that point that's just gross and then we're all set (laughs) so but we need to say something about probably (laughs) one of the best episodes of TV ever is in Excelsius Deo. Oh my gosh, yes. That's the first season Christmas episode. Yes. And that deals with homeless veterans. Yes. Among other other issues in there. Yes. And Richard Schiff won an Emmy for that episode and he is just stunning. And the per, the woman, Catherine Houston, who played uh, Dolores Landingham. She did such a marvelous job is, in there. I can't even think about the episode. I've got goosebumps right now. I can start crying. Just thinking about the conversation that the two of them have. Yes. I don't. I can't even say it, but it's so good. I liked it when the, the president came out because he had found out that Toby had arranged for full military honors and right. Lord knows what else. And, and he asked if we were still at NATO. Right. <laughs> Because Toby had perhaps overstepped his bounds he, on that. He might have used the president's name to get some things done. Um, but they were things that needed to be done. The, and that was, that's the other thing is how layered these episodes were. And I always loved it. You know it's good writing and good acting, and good is way too little of a word, when you want to know more about the characters. You yeah. want to know their backstory. Where did they come from? Why are they there? How did they how did they make this choice in their career? Right. And you start to think of them as people, not as characters on a show. Mm-hmm. And so when you had an episode like in Excelsius Dale, when you had an episode like In the Shadow of Two Gunmen, um, you, you get some of that historical perspective. And and I, I don't know about you, but I just ate it up. I did too. And two cathedrals, we can't oh, absolutely. not talk about this show without talking about two cathedrals. Absolutely. Which gives you a lot of origin story of... President Bartlett. Right. And his complex relationship with his own father and some of the things that... that and the role had. that Dolores Landingham plays in his life yes. from a very young age. Yes. And, and you know, that backstory of the relationship between Leo McGarry and Jed Bartlett and, and, and how Leo came to recruit him to, to run for president, but Bartlett thought that it was Leo who was going to run. Right. And, 
Um, and again, that's another example of somebody, you know, who was, no, this isn't for me. This isn't what I want to do. And then it, it took him a while to warm up to the idea. Right. Um, you don't think we're crazy enough to nominate another intellectual right. former governor from the Northeast. Oh, I think we're exactly that crazy. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's a paraphrase. Right, was. right. But yeah, that is, that is, uh, that's the kind of thing. Um, the backstory of Sam Seaborn or Sam Shepard, whoever, right. <laughs> uh, and the firm that he worked at, and then how the storyline of the oil tanker in in the Shadow of Two Gunmen um, carried over later when that tanker actually hit rocks or something. Right, it's an Exxon Valdez esque right. line. Right, right, and, and Sam has knowledge that he got as an attorney that he wants to potentially disgorge but he can't do it because it was in the milieu of attorney-client privilege when he got it right and that reminds me of the character Ainsley Hayes yes and Ainsley Hayes is Ainsley Hayes in the early seasons and then Alan Alda in the later seasons provides sort of a balance to the people often call the West Wing liberal porn but it's but not it, really. No, I mean, there there might have been a few episodes along the way out of seven seasons where I might have rolled my eyes at a particular statement or a particular storyline. But I never felt like it was preachy because I'm out at that mm-hmm. point. I, I don't, I don't, what, what free time, my God, I'm pausing like you now. <laughs> what, what free time? Medic! Medic! <laughs> Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody all, reboot Steve. Right, I blue screened. Um, the, I've completely forgotten what I was saying. It wasn't preachy because you would have tapped out. Oh, you yeah, I would have so I, much. Right, I would have tapped out. You know, what time I do have, I, I enjoy television. I Again, I'm a fan of quality writing. I'm a fan of quality acting. I'm craft. I, I'm not going to be preached at. No. You know, I, I know what issues are. I know where I'm at on those right. issues. I can have my mind changed, but no amount of fictional television is going to do it. Right. So I, I never found it to be that way. I mean, I knew I was watching a show about a, a Democrat president and his administration. So what? Right. It was funny at the end because um, Alan Alda is the Republican nominee and uh, Matt Santos, played by Jimmy Smith. I should say Arnold Vinnick is the Republican nominee, not Alan Alda. <laughs> Probably fair, but that's okay. I'm letting you have your moment. <laughs> Pretty soon I'll start talking about different shows. I'll be like when Hawkeye, Haw- was, Hawkeye <laughs> was talking to Chandler. And then, and if you actually paid attention, you'd probably be able to figure out exactly what I was talking about. But I'm going to try not to do that. But at the end, right, I'm supposed to be rooting for Matt Santos. Because, I mean, I think that that's the logical Continuation of the Bartlett administration. But I was kind of hoping that Alan Alda would win. <laughs> but I, I have to say, there was a point in there where I wasn't sure I Matt Santos know. was going to win. Because yeah. you knew that the show was coming to an end. Sure. Um, and, and you know, you didn't hate the Arnold Bennett character. No. And you didn't hate the people on his staff. No, uh, his staff were great. The mom on Home Improvement. Right. And Stephen Root was Stephen one of... Root, how can you not Stephen love him? Root has never played a bad part. No. We and, were watching Barry the other night. Oh, my gosh. He's on it. I was like, has he ever done anything that isn't just like... Just pitch perfect. Right. He's remarkable. Right. So, um, but Patricia Richardson, mm-hmm. the the campaign manager character, I, I absolutely loved her. 
she's a mom. She's working. She's trying to balance all of these things out. She loved the guy that she was working for. She loved Arnold Bennett. She yeah. believed in him. Yeah. And then you had Bruno, right. who was a wonderful character played by, his name escapes me, Ron Silver? Yes. Okay, played by Ron Silver, who has passed away yes, also, unfortunately. Way too young on that Oh, absolutely. But a wonderful character who you could really get on board with. Right, because he plays both sides of the fence. He's there for, because, well, he's a political operative. Right. And, and this is his job. Right. But um, I don't think that, I think that those of us in flyover states kind of forget that these people, it's not all about idealism with them. They have a right. job to do. Right. Um. I have to stop trying to do two things at once. <laughs> I keep I keep blue screening myself. Um, at any rate, though, uh, one of the things that when when Vinick lost, spoiler alert, right. in the wrong direction again for a twenty year old show. When Vinick lost, um, and the next day, so the Secret Service is gone because you're not a candidate anymore. You didn't win. It's it. There's no first, second. Who the hell are you? There's first, and you are. Right. Why are you still here? Um, because he wasn't a senator anymore either. Right. Because he had to resign. Right. We didn't have to. He chose to. Okay. Which is uh, which is a Bob Dole kind of story. Right. Line. I thought Bob Dole did that. Too. Yeah. When Bob Dole ran, he wanted to be taken seriously as a candidate, so he resigned, and that's when Sheila Fromm, I think, took over, and then she got. Uh, she got bumped out and in, in her first election to Sam Brombeck, who ended up serving out of that state for quite a while. Um, and then uh, at any rate, though, you know, you see him and he's fixing coffee and then he goes to get the paper and there's, you know, no crowd of press or anything else around. And you think, well, gosh, that's such an unceremonious end. Then you see him in his office and he's grasping for something. You know, right. he's going to run again. And, and, you know, in four more years, he's going to be 167. So right. it's not like he's going to be a real viable candidate. Right. And then you see the genius of appointing somebody in your administration who is not of your party and who is a significant uh, player in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I, I believe we've seen a number of presidents do that since then. Yeah, I don't. That's, I'm sorry, not since then. We've seen a number of presidents do that, mm-hmm. and that was another example of, of art imitating life. Mm-hmm. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with appointing somebody who's really qualified to a job. <laughs> right. And, and I wish we would all take that to heart. Right. And, and also, though, who may challenge our own preconceived notions, our own ideologies mm-hmm. as, as well. Um, I, I will tell you, I don't think there, other than the newsroom, so not looking at, at Aaron Sorkin shows, I, I don't think there's been a show on since the West Wing that's kind of captivated me like the West Wing did. Again, aside from the newsroom, mm-hmm. but a show by anybody else. Um, you know, certainly on a different level, Friends was a, a wonderful show um, that I enjoyed. Well, that was also sort of like it was our demographic in terms of they were our age. They were, you know, sort of in the same spaces in their lives. They were our contemporaries, so that was a fun show to watch. Right. I just, I can't think of anything else that was as sweeping and emotionally, you know, grabbed me like the West Wing has right. either. Right. No, I agree. I mean, there may have been some historical shows. I take that back. True Detective season one is probably the finest thing I've ever seen on television. Really? Oh my God, it's so good. I have not seen it. Is that, oh. is it? Fictional? Yeah. 
Okay. Is that an HBO show? Yes, it is. Okay, I'll have to. It uh, has Matthew McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson, and it it's it it'll blow your socks off. Oh, okay. Very it'll good. melt your face off. Very good. Um, I don't I don't mind so much about my face because no one can really see it, and that's for the best. But my socks, I'm I'm, I'm kind of. My socks are blown all over the room. Why are my socks all over the place? What happened? It's so good. And and it's about criminal stuff, obviously. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Thanks, Sherlock, for cracking that mystery. A show called True Detectives is about some criminal stuff. See, this is why. People don't like me? No. (laughs) But it is. And I think that it just captured, like, my interests and things and it, it's just, it's so well done. It's so well done. I agree. I agree. Um, well, we're we're approaching an hour. Um, I'm looking, it's actually longer than an hour. It's about a, an hour and 90 more extra minutes of your pauses. But by the time <laughs> I'm done, no, I'm kidding. We're, For once, I'm not Pausey Pauserson over here today. <laughs> yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I can see the long pauses. In I there, probably so. am. I'm like so self-conscious about this now. Oh, my gosh. But when I talk. go off on one of my swearing rants, I don't pause a lot then. She's Peter Griffin <laughs> falling down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so, am I fucking um, chicken now? What's happening? Oh, my gosh, yes. So uh, at any rate, though, a wonderful show. If you've never seen it, check it out. If you've seen it once, you haven't seen it at all. Right. I don't know what that's from, but that's know. a pretty common line. You I haven't seen so it. Well, if you've only seen it once, you haven't seen it enough. All right, sure. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of stuff getting cut out right there. And that's not even going to stay in for a Patreon <laughs> episode. <laughs> no. No, that will be removed. So, excised. I, I have to say, I really hope that, that people enjoy listening to this because I'll, I'll tell you, but, you know, we really enjoy doing these, but I, I'll I obviously I have to listen to them when I'm editing mm-hmm. them. And a lot of times I'm doing something else because I'm just listening for certain things. Like, like me pausing. Like you pause. Long pauses. Me coughing. <laughs> clicking a pen. Yeah, did you catch all the pen clicks oh last God. week? I sure did. I sure did. Um, or... Uh, but again, at any rate, I'm sorry. So I got distracted because I was getting yelled at for the pen clicking thing, and <laughs> rightfully so. But you know, it's just playing in the background while I'm doing something else, and then I'll go and cut something out. But I'll hear things in there, and and something that you've said, and I'll just start laughing. And I, I so I hope people enjoy listening to this. If yeah. they do, I would encourage you to please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Whatever podcatcher you use, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Are we on Google Podcasts? We're on Google. We're on uh, Spotify, Spotify. We're on Amazon. Stitcher. We're on Audible. We're on Stitcher. Um, there's one that we're not on anymore because they changed their thing. And well, I fuck them then. Okay. That's the other thing I'm listening <laughs> for is some expletive-laden rant of Stephanie's. No and, pauses in there. No, there are no no that just flows like yes, the river exactly. that comes out of my mouth. Yes, it's her profanity is her medium. Yes, her it heart. is. Um, in any case, though, five stars, and if you'd write us a review, that would be phenomenal. Yes. So here's something we haven't done in a while: is write a review, give us five stars, write a review, post it, and uh, take a screenshot of it, send it to Stephanie at Stephanie at WeekendMediaGroup.com. Talk over the top of me. I think nope, that'll help to I'm clear not. things up. Um, but it's Stephanie at weekendmediagroup.com and send that to her and she will send you an Anadapod coffee mug 
and we might fill it with candy or shenanigans. Yes, shenanigans or packing peanuts. There's been a whole thing about circus peanuts on one of the podcasts. Oh, they're that so to. gross. That's so disgusting. I will never send you circus peanuts. I no, promise. No, but Here. one one thing though, you do have to be in the United States. Yes. Because, well, we're on kind of a shoestring budget, and as we've mentioned before, we don't actually get paid to do this. We're waiting for that sweet, sweet podcast, honey. In, indeed we are, and the fact that our first season was only like 10 episodes, we're probably going to have to really step it up. Right. And and I think also the fact that we didn't really ceremoniously end our first season, <laughs> as we just kind of forgot what we were doing. It just sort of like... <laughs> <laughs> not sure what happened there all right you had an idea for our next episode what are you thinking well when i think about summertime i think about you know outdoor activities and pools and radios and summer boating. yes so i was thinking about music I thought maybe we could do something about 70s music oh my god so all right so for everybody listening we were we were very young in the 70s so we weren't heavily influenced by the 70s um I, I was forced to be made to wear a leisure suit. And there was one <laughs> photograph of that floating around in my parents' house. And I handed God, we'll set fire to the house. And, and dear listeners, I'll try to get a copy of that <laughs> and post that. So we can all have a giggle. So I found something. My mom made me this dress look straight out of Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> my dumbass had a bonnet on. Okay? Oh, my God. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. So... Uh, but no, 70s music, it's influence, uh, cultural influences on 70s music, 70s music's influence on culture. Yeah. Um, all of that. That Super sounds fun. That sounds great. So, well, tune in for that. Um, I, I think I'd mentioned to you the other day, I heard one of my favorite songs when I was a kid, Seasons in the Sun. Mm-hmm. And finally, as an adult, heard it and listened to the words. And I'm like, oh, sadness. I know. Oh, that's so dark. This is very upbeat for something <laughs> right? so sad. Right? You know, it's like when I learned what the song Afternoon Delight really meant. Right. <laughs> ah, okay. Now I know why everybody's so excited. Upbeat so. appropriate. Yes. So there are a couple of songs you can count on. And then, of course, we both have a well-documented love for Karen Carpenter. Absolutely. Not so much uh, the other guy. but her. <laughs> Just Our kidding. poor brother. Just kidding. <laughs> But seriously, anybody can play the fucking piano. Oh my gosh, shots fired. I'll take that out. <laughs> Settle down. I love Karen Carpenter. I she do so too. much. Yep, she I sang with too. Kermit. I mean, my God. What is there not to like? But Bette Midler sang with Miss Piggy. Oh, she, she I did? I think so. I'm almost sure of that. Oh. I know Bette Midler sang with the Muppets. We should just do a whole episode about the Muppets. Oh my God, of the Muppets show. Yes. We can narrow it down. Um, but yeah, oh, maybe an episode on the Muppet Show. Oh God! I love oh the my God! Because so I am so turning into either Statler or Waldorf, <laughs> one of the two. So let's face it, we've both always kind of been Statler and Waldorf. That's fair. <laughs> I think that's fair. So, all right. So our next episode is going to be seventies music. That'll be fun. That'll be something to really look forward to. And then mm-hmm. the week after that. It'll be the flag. I'm because, so excited to do the yeah, flag. Yeah, that'll put us right around Flag Day. Yes. So that is perfect. And yes. we can talk about, like Stephanie said uh, when we were offline, um, all of the things people get wrong about the flag. We can also talk about appropriate ways to dispose of flags yes. and organizations that will help with that, um, including the American Legion and the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, There are also some uh, resources available for obtaining flags and how to get a flag that's flown over the U.S. Capitol. Yes. How you make a request to the architect of the Capitol. 
We'll the talk architect. about that. But don't give away all the good stuff. Until I'm the not. I'm not telling you how to do it. <laughs> telling you that's what's gonna. That we're gonna tell you how to get it done. We're gonna tell you how to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, at any rate, we hope that you'll join us again. Five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Write a review and a five stars. Send it to Stephanie. We'll send you a coffee mug. That will be limited to the first oh two or three people that do that. Um, for us, and again, limited to those in the 50 United States because, well, postage is not cheap. And we're going to have to, actually, we've been told we have to buy our own coffee mugs. So (laughs) (laughs) you might just get a coffee mug from my kitchen. (laughs) Right. Enjoy the cup from our local restaurant that they give you for free when you walk out. Oh, so at any rate, we hope that you have a wonderful and safe weekend. We appreciate you you listening as always, and uh, we'll look forward to it. We love you. Be careful and stay safe. We'll see you next week.